Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Korean American Parenting. Happy May. Happy Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. I don't know if happy is the right word to put in front of those month names, but we want to celebrate it because we want to celebrate our heritage, our identity journey. And on the note of mental health, I want to celebrate the fact that we are talking about it more than ever. Is it as much as we should be? Probably not, but it is a lot more than our parents did, certainly what we did growing up. And so our hope is that our kids, through our parenting and through the influences that we put into the universe, that we will continue to talk more about it. So today, as we kick off May, uh, we're going to focus on Jang and my stories of our identity journey. So we were both born in Korea. We both came here to the States at different stages in our life. Um, and now we advocate for uh, Asian American advocacy broadly, uh, Asian American representation broadly. And I think it's something that many of you might resonate with in sort of how to balance the cultural amazingness that makes us Korean. Or maybe if you aren't Korean, you might just have Korean children, how that uh, affects your overall identity uh, as an Asian American and in this greater political and social movement for us to band together under one term, under one umbrella, so that we can all have a much more safe and healthy life here. So, um, Jang, I'll, I'll, you know, why don't you get us started and then share with us sort of what, you know, uh, for those listeners who might be joining us uh, for this episode or uh, haven't listened to the intro episodes, um, share with us sort of initially your first, you know, transition from Korean purely to more of a Korean American identity. Yeah, no, thank you, Jerry. And uh, I am so glad that we have this month um, to highlight our heritage and at least look back. I think this is definitely the year that we really deliberately think about this. Um, so um, for those of you who don't know um, my background, I was born and raised in Korea um, and I came here when I was 14, um, a ninth grader to attend a boarding school. Um, so my parents actually stayed in Korea throughout my journey here. You know, I ended up staying for college and medical school. I ended up marrying a fellow Korean American man <laughs> and had a child um, and settled in America. Now I am an American citizen. Get to the chase, to the chase. Um, I've considered myself a Korean American and an Asian American. Uh, um, and this has been a journey for me in the past uh, 26 years. Um, uh, and identity has been a really interesting um, topic in my life that um, I think it's a big part of why I went into psychiatry, but also why I like this, um, having this podcast to talk about things. Um, because 
to me, it was such a dilemma and a kind of um, something that was uncertain in the most of my um, years of development, but also in my 20s and well into my 30s. So obviously, the first 14 years of my life, I was super Korean. I, I didn't have any kind of other identity. Uh, I grew up in Seoul. Um, and when I landed in Michigan, of all places, um, as an introduction to America, I, I, I would say it was actually a good place to be an introduction to America. People are nice, you know, other than the really coldness. Um, I think it was difficult because I had gone to an international school uh, for two years before prior, so my English wasn't so bad. But uh, um, it really put me in a position where, like, I didn't belong anywhere. So, like, obviously, was not an American um, coming from Korea. But at the same time, other um, other Korean international students uh, viewed me as a little bit more American um, because I. Um, did have a little bit of English exposure before. Um, and then I was definitely not Korean American because my parents were not there. I was not born there. I was not, I was not raised there. And so um, to me, that was a very hard time, especially in your puberty, um, you know, teenage years, trying to find your uh, where you belong. Um, over the years, you know, one of the things that um, I read last, maybe last year, um, so the interpreter uh, for um, the director of Parasite. Um, I, I'm totally blanking on her name, but she's actually, you know. Sharon. Sharon, yes. Yes. So I read her article that she had written in one of the magazines. And she, I guess she went back and forth between um, America and Korea. And there was this line, she says, uh, not Korean enough to be Korean, not uh, not American enough to be American, um, and not even Korean American. And that's exactly how I felt for myself. Um, but as I got married to um, my husband, who who also split his time in between Korea and LA a lot in his childhood, he strongly really identified himself um, as a Korean American. And that really kind of made an impression and the fact that I was going to um, have my whole life here um, and I started to really identify myself as Korean American. Now, Asian American, <laughs> that's a whole other story. So we can talk about that. But I want to um, also ask Jerry about his journey because I think it's important to hear about like, you know, other people, how the identity kind of changes. You know, my journey from Korean to Korean American uh, was really smooth, right? Because as we talked about in a previous episode, I moved to Fullerton, which is pretty damn Korean. And so it was an easy transition. You know, we didn't miss out on food. We didn't miss out on community. Um, and I think because even amongst the Asians in my city, we were the dominant ethnic group. There was comfort in being Korean and there was you know, I never was like ashamed to be Korean, right? Like, and I think there were other folks, uh, there were other Asians in our community, but we were the dominant sort of the cool culture even then, right? Um, and so even before what most people I think would consider like K-pop's influence today, we had our music back then, you know, we had our uh, TV shows and all these things, right? And I think we were, at least back then, still watching Korean TV shows religiously and, you know, all that. So 
you know, it really wasn't until I got to New York. Uh, we moved to New York right after, right before high school. And even though my high school, um, in, in the news a lot lately for, for our diversity troubles, but, um, predominantly Asian, uh, but a much more diverse mix of Asians from, uh, more from Chinese backgrounds, which is, uh, you know, I guess makes sense for New York city. Um, but I think I always saw myself as primarily Korean American because we didn't really think about Asian American because it's not anchored in any cultural component of food, language, holidays, uh, you know, religion or anything like that. It really is a social or political ideology that we have to band together. And so I think when you're growing up, you know, you, you gravitate you gravitate towards the people that you share more with. Um, in college. Uh, I sort of became Mr. KSA because that's how we rolled back then. We saw the other cultural clubs because we were all friends with the Chinese American club, the Japanese American club. We were sort of partners in you got your people. We got our people. We'll party together. We'll do events together. But it wasn't we never I, you know, to be frank, I never saw them as like us. Right. It was still different. And I think a lot of that for me, too, was what I was taught or what I was taught to think particularly about Japanese people as a result of what our grandparents went through in the occupation. Um, my early, I guess my earliest American race introduction happened on Saigu, which we just celebrated or not celebrated, but memorialized the 29 uh, years since where because of white supremacy and because of economic inequalities in LA, two key events where a Korean American uh, liquor store owner shot a 15 year old black girl and only got probation and four LAPD officers, all white were acquitted for beating a black man unjustifiably caught on camera. A lot of black and brown folks were angry and they burned Koreatown to the ground. And so I was three and a half months into my immigration journey, saw that on TV without and there was no filter of really empathetic or open-minded conversation. And I don't really blame my parents, right? Because imagine how scared they were because they don't know anything. They're into a new country. They get all their information about or their perspectives about race and whatever from their church friends or their family friends. So like I grew up in this sort of like I'm Korean American or Korean even at the time and everybody else is different. Um yeah, and, and so you know, through college, I was I was very involved with the Korean club, Korea, you know, student association. We did a lot of mingling with other KSAs across Southern California. That was my primary social circle, um, and so you know, it wasn't until very recently, almost I think, starting in graduate school, which for me started six years ago, into sort of what does Asian American mean, um, and do I even care to associate with that? Um, obviously, outside of the context of this particular podcast, uh, most people know me for Dear Asian Americans, which is a broadly Asian American show. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, so for me to go from Korean to Korean American, I think that's sort of it. And um, I, I too married a Korean person. You know, her uh, she grew up mostly here in the states and, and born in Korea as well. So like, you know, we share similar journeys. But I think when we talk about language, food, culture, particularly um, as you get married move through life stages and have kids, um, you tend to anchor a little bit more on, on the cultural things. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about the word Asian American. What, what did, what did that mean for you? Yeah. So, you know, that, that wasn't even like really like in my radar, 
um, um, especially um, I think when I first came here in the first decade, I think I was just really busy just trying to get um, get myself situated even, you know, like uh, I, I don't think I was very aware of um, race issue or even um, any kind of political issues um, as a young child, I, I think. And, and, you know, kind of in my 20s also, I was very wrapped up in my own identity, like um, trying to figure out like my place in this world. Um, but the more and more I am getting into my career, but also like having my own child, like, um, you know, thinking about rooting my family here in America as an American, um, I really think I start to think a lot about myself and our family as Asian Americans, not just Korean Americans. And I, um, and you're right. It's you know Asian Americans are such a heterogeneous group that you know we have we have been very not together in a lot of ways, uh, me myself included. But at the same time, it is a political term. But it is something that we, I feel uh, that it is something that we have to empower ourselves and being that, uh, having that solidarity as an Asian American gives us more voice and more power um, in this country. And that to me is so important uh, for the world that my daughter is going to navigate. Um, and, and one of the reasons that, you know, obviously we met through Dear Asian Americans, but I, and you're you're the host, so I know you're very passionate about it. But I I think that's a kind of a really uh, important juncture um, that you do have this show uh, called Dear Asian Americans. And the reason it, it really resonated with everybody else is because you're bringing everybody together to share our story, collective story, but also individual stories within the co collective power, uh, and um, showing us that we are um, in a way one entity. So the Asian Americans as a podcast is about a year and some change old. Um, the idea was born even a year before that when I, I ran a um, a month long Instagram campaign. So let's say it's like two and two two and a half years and change. I think to be frank, I went with the Asian American audience or demographic in wanting that to be my show's brand um, as a way to expand much more so than, you know, I, I thought that having a Korean American specific brand when it came to storytelling was going to be a little bit niche, right? Like, because what if my Chinese or Vietnamese American friends are like, yo, can I come on your show? And I don't want to tell them no, right? I, I think so much has changed and we've all evolved in our identity in the last two years specifically to, you know, one plus years, um, particularly since COVID began. And I think we've all decided to not, shy away from our cultural identity, but pick up an additional identity as Asian American, really as a, a survival mechanism right now, as a political survival mechanism, because to have somebody yell at me, hey, go back to China, my response is, haha, you idiot, I'm Korean. That doesn't solve the root cause of the racism, right? I know a lot of people, um, not maybe a lot, but I know many people in the Korean American community up until Atlanta happened, didn't take any of this violence stuff seriously because it wasn't happening in mass to Koreans. I think we otherized, and it was Vietnamese people, Chinese people in San Francisco and Oakland's Chinatown, in very Chinese, you know, in Chinatown of New York, 
And I don't think that's the right way to go, to be honest. And it's really given me a lot of things to think about as we look at our kids. I want them to be so proud of their culture and their heritage. And um, even for me, like I've been here for 29 years. I'm 37. Like my formal education in Korea stopped at age eight. It's right. So my language isn't perfect. Surely my history of Korea is very lacking. Um, in fact, I, I bought a Korean history book uh, last week that's written in English. Oh, so you I can, just I can learn. watch all the K-dramas. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's, uh, no, 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 no. But, you know, like, I, I think that's also, you know, I, I want my kids to learn all that and, and be proud. And I don't know how many more generations it's going to go down, right? But at the same time, I want them to see themselves as Asian American, too, because, we're so small if we if we segment ourselves. So that's where I think for, for me that the challenge is. And, and I think it's been great. My, my you know, my shift in my own identity and in, in what I primarily identify as. Because um, I think we, we, we talk about, and I know you taught me this word, which is the third culture kid, right? Or the third culture world. Asian America or Asian American as an identity is that third culture that we're all sort of shaping together, right? And I don't know what it's going to mean. And, and let's also just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that uh, because America likes to make things, white America likes to make things easy, they put everything west of California into one month and said, okay, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, y'all get one month together. And we don't do a very good job as Asian Americans in including the Pacific Islander narrative. And so I know we say APAM as, as we celebrate May, short for Heritage Month, but you know, what is what is our responsibility to even uh, share a story that's not uniquely ours? We can barely get our stuff together as Asian Americans, East Asians even. And so if yeah. you're confused, if mm -hmm. you're like frightened, or if you're if it gives you pause because it is so damn daunting. Like, know that you're not alone and know that wherever you are in your journey to understand this new identity and this new necessity to bond together, like, you're perfectly fine wherever you are. And I think that's sort of, you know, what I would love to share with, with our audience today. I think I think a lot about um, wh whatever I do uh, in terms of, like, career in my life, I, I think a lot about the world that my daughter is going to have to navigate um, in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And um, obviously, I would like when she's an adult, I would like this um, identity of Asian Americans be uh, to be kind of more powerful, advocate uh, for themselves. Um, and how do I do that? So how do I instill this identity of Asian American for my child? Um, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about. And, um, you know, Jerry and I were talking about this. And we don't really have um, knowledge or um, educational system that teaches our children or even us about Asian American history in America, right? Um, and I think that lack of that knowledge is what really um, divides us and prevents us from thinking of ourselves as Asian Americans. When we know the history um, and how how we have been formed, 
I think that really gives us a sense of who we are. Um, and I think the past couple months, I've seen a lot of people um, talk about the books or about history of immigration for Asian Americans. And these are what, what I would like to see more, but also to talk, be able to talk about it with my young child um, so that we can, we can tell them this is us. Kind of like how you, Jerry, is, you know, reading about Korean history too, right? But, but um, also can we teach our children about history of Asian Americans as well? Going back to the initial Korean American identity and trying to empathize as much as I can with what our parents must have gone through, at least my parents must have gone through, and they don't know anything about American history, let alone Asian American history. They're busy trying to put food on our table and get all the things that, you know, uh, I'm so grateful for, but, and, and our schools didn't do a very good job teaching us Asian American history, right? So, but I think even then, anything that happened to non-Korean Asians, we still othered, right? I don't think I actually internalized what Japanese occupation or in, internal, I'm sorry, uh, internment camps meant for me as a Korean American kid, because those were other, that wasn't us, Right. You hear about the Chinese Exclusion Act and, you know, maybe you feel like, well, that sucks for them, but at least they never excluded us. Right. And, and you hear about. And, and so I, I want us to get to a point. I want to get to a better point, and I And I am well on my way for us to think about our collective experience, because what happened to the Chinese in 1882, what happened to the Japanese during the World Second World War literally and directly impacts our existence and our safety and our survival in this country. And so for us to stand back, for anybody to stand back and say, that's not us. And it's important also to bring in all of Asia, right? I'm still pissed that when Indianapolis happened two weeks ago, that a lot of so-called Asian advocates or pro-Asian voices on in, in social media were silent and not as angry as Atlanta. Well, they were Asian too. They might have a different religious belief than you or look a little bit different. But if we're gonna, if you're, if you dare to call your platform or your show or anything Asian American, anything, you have to be inclusive. And I understand that's hard because they don't look like you. They don't have, you know. But I, I think you know that's sort of where I would like to go. I didn't take any Asian American studies or history classes in college, deliberately, because I thought, why the hell would I want to do that, right? Why do I want to go backwards into Asian things when I? can fully capably or I'm fully capable of attempting to survive or thrive in America. I, I think at that point still, I was very rooted in my Korean social life, culture and through the clubs, but I was still professionally and academically thrive in a white person's world wanting to be so desperately, you know, accepted. And so, you know, as we as we go into Heritage Month and there's going to be a lot of events, um, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to see. Um, I think it's really important for us to keep an open mind and to expose our children to all of it uh, and not just pick and choose the parts of Asian American or AAPI history that sits well with your cultural identity. Um, because statistically speaking, and um, if you follow the trends, like there's going to be more multiracial families. Your friends are going to be fr your kids are going to be friends with mixed race children. Um, I, I think unless you live in very specific parts of America that are extremely, 
even homogeneous from a minority perspective, your children are going to have different friends. And there's no more excuse to say, I didn't know, because we know. And if you're listening to this podcast, you care enough to pay attention to things like this. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll share. Um, I have some books that I think it would be good if you, I don't know if parents have the time to read anymore, but at least uh, audiobook it. Um, some Asian American things, um, you know, and, and I'll share just one thing I think that really resonates to um, sort of the, the how, how it's all weaved together. Um, Kathy Park Hong's book, Minor Feelings, which has received global praise for uh, talking about mental health. Her story is very Korean American, but every single Asian American can relate to it. And that's the thing, because there's so much more that unites us than separates us. And I, you know, I will always love my food. I I still listen to 90s K-pop when I need to jam out and de-stress, right? Like, I probably won't ever leave LA because of the food offerings. I love my soju. I love my norabang. That won't change. But how we talk about our identity for our future, I think, definitely has to change. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think um, learning about the history of collective Asian Americans, I think, is important because then then the history won't repeat. Um, um, I think that's what we're seeing now, right? And I want our, ourselves to be educated, but also our children to be educated and aware um, so that they are able to navigate a better world than what we've been experiencing in the past two, uh, past year. Yeah, look, because I, I think here's the reality, the ugly reality, friends, when we see people getting attacked on the streets, they don't care what type of Asian you are. In fact, a Mexican-American grandmother was pummeled here in Southern California because somebody thought she was Asian. So this distancing of cultural identity to justify your separation and accountability has got to go if they don't care what you look like if they don't care i take that back if they don't care exactly where you're from but only care what you look like then would it not be in our best interest to start to care for everybody who looks like us because oh it's not a korean problem it's not a vietnamese problem because it's happening to somebody else that's how the oppressors will win because they're going to continue to try to divide and conquer and I don't know. It's I, I think it's something that I have uh, grown a lot in, and, and I'm, you know, really proud of my even own evolution, because uh, I was so damn Korean for a very long time. Um, still am in, in my tendencies, but uh, yeah, and and so you know, we want to we want to uh, make an invitation to folks who are listening. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining us for these weekly talks, and we hope you like our new changed format. Um, connect with us on social, shoot us an email, however you want to communicate. We'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to answer your questions. Um, we may not do our live Q&A shows anymore, but if you send them to us, we'll certainly address them on the shows going forward. Um, and uh, Cenk, would you, let, let's share with the audience what you know what they can expect for the rest of May. I know we talked today significantly about our evolving uh, Asian American identity, but it is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah, so um, in the next couple of weeks, um, I also want to dedicate one of the episodes to um, 
mental health of Asian Americans. And that is what I do day in and day out um, outside of my podcast. Um, and so we can talk, uh, I would love to talk about, you know, um, the numbers of mental health illness in Asian Americans, but how um, the stigma and barriers um, and systemic barriers that we uh, face in terms of navigating mental health and what we can do to make that better. Yeah, I think they're not separate. Perhaps there's so much overlap between the two. Uh, you, I, I, I find it awesome that you not only have chosen to go down this path of learning about mental health from a very medical perspective, but you have decided to focus on people who look like us. Um, if we look at the broader spectrum of psychiatrists, um, it does not meet the numbers that I think are necessary or even sufficient to address the mental health concerns and conversations that we need in our own community. But you have gone out of your way, perhaps because it spoke to you and obviously because of who we are, you primarily want to help and treat families and children of Asian American families. So um, we need more and perhaps there's not a right way to do it. I think it's becoming a more of a, uh, a regular conversation that we see in our communities. Um, I, I will say and uh, take it with caveat. Obviously, Jang is my friend and partner in this show. Um, I have a lot of medically trained people in my family. When, when we talk about mental health, um, especially when it gets to some of the more serious parts about mental health and treatment and how to get over certain things, um, let's rely on the professionals. Let's rely on the people who are trained to talk about these things. Um, don't go. I know there's a lot of places to go for advice right now, particularly in the digital and virtual format. But um, it, it is my humble ask that um, affordability should not be an issue, but seek help from the sources who have studied this and can give you uh, good guidance and, and thoughtful guidance. Um, and so um, I'll, 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 that's all I'll say for that. But, you know, I am uh, grateful that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, May is going to be a busy month. Uh, let's celebrate the hell out of our culture, our identity. Um, and so wishing you health, wishing you happiness um, as we as we get started here on the first Monday of May. Uh, signing off, uh, I guess, here on Korean American Parenting. Uh, this has been Jang and Jerry, and we thank you for listening. And we will see you. We won't see you. You'll hear us next week. Bye. Bye.